Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Library Access, a Keyforge podcast brought to you by thekeyforge.com. Uh, my name is Nick, and I'm here with Alex. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Stephen. How's it going to everybody? Uh, like we mentioned before, our Patreon is live at patreon.com slash thekeyforge. So if you like what we do and you want to see more of it, feel free to drop a dollar in our tip jar. Uh, as of right now, all of that goes to cool prize support for our tournaments that we run every Tuesday on our Discord, which you can get to by going to thekeyforge.com. Uh, actually, there is no link. You can go to keyforgediscord.com, actually, or you can go to our website and then click the little Discord icon. Uh, but those are a lot of fun. We do them every Tuesday, and we do a 64-person single elimination Archon. Uh, and we'll switch that up to do Swiss and stuff later, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I don't know if we've talked about it a lot, like we promoted it on here, but haven't actually I don't know, discussed it. Um, unfortunately, I don't participate in them. I really would like to, but since we give away prizes, I feel like that's kind of messed up. Um, but it's really cool to see 64 people you know, go at it and... It's 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 nice to see the to be able to look at that winning deck and know that it holds some value because you have a, if you have a tournament however you do it you know with four people or whatever there's a possibility that there was another excellent deck that just didn't make it through you know they drew drew poorly or something like that but when you've got somebody that beats out six rounds you know and comes out the victor like I mean I guess you could still fall victim to that like good decks could be losing but a good pilot and a good deck is certainly winning. So it's always been fun to take a look at those decks and see what's winning and why and then uh something I've been into personally and it's a perfect segue into uh our first topic I hope um is to take those decks and compare like their ADHD ratings and their SAS ratings. Uh the SAS is from Decks of Keyforge which is a new ish site. I know I asked if you guys checked it out, but I didn't like mention it or promote it. But it's got another metric of kind of measuring decks. Uh, and it's a really cool website. It's decksofkeyforge.com. And you can create an account on there. And it's got every deck, you know, 584,195 as of right now, uh, like logged in the database. So it's every deck that's been registered. And you can go claim decks as yours. And if you want to, you can flag them as for sale and for trade. And then you have a little option on there to put your email address or your phone number or whatever way you want to be contacted, which I think is really cool. And it'd be really cool if it were just massively widely adopted, which is kind of why I'm talking about it right now. Because um, that way you see all these people posting in Facebook groups and Reddit and stuff saying, you know, looking for, you know, Gomez the seriously peg legged. And it's like, man, there's like no chance that person's going to see this and be able to, you know, get in touch with you. But with this, if everyone gets on there and starts claiming their stuff, then it like gives you a chance of you know finding the decks you want um and even not even just for looking up specific ones but it's got a filter on there um not as good as toy whizzes um because they as far as i know they only let you filter by one card uh but i imagine there's no reason why he can't or the, the creator of the site can't implement multiple cards but you can sort by houses and you can um you know filter and arrange by what sort by whatever uh, and it's been really cool. You can you can specifically pick to only see the for sale or for trade decks. And I actually I reached out to somebody. I haven't ever like bought a deck online. Um, I've, I've I've bought decks in person that somebody bought brought, and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, sure, I'll give you ten bucks for that. That'll be fun. But I haven't like sought out a cool deck with cool combos that I've I'm aware of or thought up uh, until recently. I didn't actually buy it because. I messaged him about it and he said, Oh, my current high bid is $50. I said, Oh, well, you know, 
I'll give you 55 bucks and I'll send it right now. And he didn't respond for like three or four days. I messaged him again. I said, hey, what's the word? And he said, oh, I got an offer for $250, so I think I'm going to keep it. Whoa, what was, was in like, this deck? Oof. Um, let me find it. It wasn't, it wasn't, I remember it being not $250. Um, I don't know that any deck is $250, like double horseman that you could probably double horseman, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or double time traveler, like on the outside maybe, but yeah, no, that doesn't seem right to me, but Hey, like whatever the market will bear in some cases, I like, I can't be mad at somebody's hustle in in that regard. If somebody's willing to pay that, uh, you know, that's a lot more Keyforge that you can buy with 250 bones. I'll tell you an interesting thing about decks of Keyforge is that unlike uh, ADHD ratings, it actually pegged my top three decks in SAS rating as the top three out of my collection when I added them to decks of Keyforge. Like it actually identified the three that I win with most consistently and that have been sort of my go-to decks if I want to play something competitive. So that's kind of interesting that that SAS, you know, power of cards, which is kind of the metric they use, plus synergy kind of worked out in a way that the other systems for rating decks kind of haven't for me. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, my highest winning deck had 90% win rate has a SAS score of 84. Um, and the other two that are the consistent highest winners, 83 and 80% are at 75 and 79%, or not percent, 75 and 79 SAS. Um, and on the other side of it, I've, I've got my spreadsheet broken up into good decks, new decks, and then for sale decks. Um, and the for sale decks are all, you know, 33%, 20%, 0% as far as win rate goes. And they are all 60%, uh, with the exception of one or two, um, SAS, which I don't think was the case originally. So if you looked your decks up on there and you didn't quite agree with what you found, uh, the guy came out, I think it was on Reddit or Facebook, and said, hey, we just upped, we did a pretty significant update in how we calculate this stuff. Check it out again. And that's like the scores I've got going on here, um, and I assume the scores that you got as well. So it is interesting. Um, the other n- metric, and I don't have them all filtered out, but I have noticed um, uh, from ADHD, the consistency seems to... Uh, be pretty spot on the higher the consistency the the better the greater the win rate you know when you get to zero and you start to get a negative then it's not in in my personal experience not a great deck um that being said i'm sure there are i'm sure there are poor rated decks that win really well but i don't imagine there's a lot of good rated decks that perform poorly yeah i i I, i'm still not a fan of any of the rating systems and i've looked at the sas and i've looked at ad and i i still feel that they're super arbitrary like i'm happy that you're looking at your decks they got good numbers and it was able to identify the better decks but i i don't know if there's a way really to calculate the decks in a vacuum more or less um i don't know i think it's good for the game that people have a frame of reference but i definitely think that the deck power is only 1% of the, of the game and, you know, not percent, but using, using your own deck piloting skill is definitely another big part of the game. I would agree with you to a degree, Steven, but uh, I I do think that this introduces an interesting possibility with the crucible, which we're all such big fans of, which is because we can look at on decks of Keyforge what the highest rated decks are. They put them right on the front page. What was the one you mentioned earlier, Nick? Uh, so-and-so the seriously peg-legged or, or what have Gomez, you? Gomez the seriously peg-legged is at 102. Exactly, yeah. You could literally pop him onto uh, the uh, the Crucible 
and and play with it and see what happens. See, does this carry through? Is this actually all it's cracked up to be? Which I think is an interesting aspect of this. I know there's a lot of like people look down on net decking, but there are good applications for it if you want to find them. And that's one where I think you could actually, you know, see if the proof is in the pudding, right? Mm-hmm. And um, as far as I'll, I'll mention this about net decking, I don't. If you want to net deck, net deck. I don't care. But you and everyone around you will have a like a way better time if you go into like a discord for example that's where i find a lot of my games and say hey who wants to play my net deck and you'll find somebody there that'll say like oh yeah sure they either have a net deck of their own they want to play with the deck they want to test or they just want to you know know that they're playing like the most broken deck they can find like net decking is okay but i i feel like it's fair to you know i had a guy tell me actually in a in crucible like in the chat before we started he said i found this deck online and i said you know okay cool let's do it you know it's I think that's a good way to go about doing it um, if, you know, if, if you want to test that out. But yeah, I don't know how, I don't know. Like I, I, I totally understand what you're saying there as of right now, um, there isn't any way, any metric to like, you know, even, I won't even say hundred percent, but even, you know, 98% gauge, whether a deck will be good or bad. Um, it's certainly possible because you can, you know, I don't, I couldn't pretend to know how to do it, but you can plug all that data into a computer and a computer can recognize combos and you know how well cards will interact with each other i imagine it would take a lot of you know a lot of programming to make something like that work but um the the sas especially um i guess both of them really but the uh i don't know maybe not the sas maybe i'm meaning more adhd um i don't know i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say there these these metrics like these programs that are you know gauging how well a deck does you know scoring a deck um i think there's there's got to be some truth to them oh i definitely i definitely agree there's got to be something in the data there but right well it's using you know it's using i'll I'll give an example i have a deck that i thought was amazing uh until i played it more and then i realized what it's missing is it has absolutely zero steel and absolutely zero capture so it's great for racing but a you know that's that wouldn't be terribly difficult for a computer to look at and say you know look this deck is not going to do well it's going to get rated poorly because of this. Um, what it would be interesting here's a free idea whoever whichever one of you guys wants to steal this, um, if it's possible, find a way for it to print out some sort of response under you know here here's your deck rating and here's why you know keep it real slim and it might already do this maybe maybe I haven't done my homework. But if it said, you know, 102 SAS, um, and it's because, you know, poor, you know, poor amber control, something like that, just to, because I think people will take it more seriously, you know, if they're not willing to look into it, if they're getting like a, like a, you know, a, a word readout of why it's rated the way it is. I definitely could see that. I would definitely take it more seriously if it gave me like flat out, like just a, this is the reason why it's being so low. And here's what the computer's responding to, why it's so low. Like, and like I said, there, there is definitely some truth to it. I just don't see that these rating systems are the end-all, be-all of what makes a deck good or what scores a deck good or bad. One of the things I think we might need to consider at a certain point is that 
Although I think we're, we're sort of conditioned to think about, okay, um, a competitive deck, one that I want to try and win tournaments with or, you know, dominate my local scene with has to have, you know, a little bit of everything. It's got to have the artifact removal. It's got to have amber control. It's got to have board clear. It's got to have, you know, all that stuff, steel, capture, et cetera, et cetera. And at a certain point, because of the way Keyforge is put together, maybe there's a possibility that just like there are no decks that do literally everything and you kind of have to accept the fact that even your finest deck the one that seems like it's an A in all areas is just going to get stomped by another deck that's very specialized in the one area doesn't have an answer. It's a thing I've been thinking about a lot because some of my best decks I lose miserably with against certain other decks and they just don't have an answer. That doesn't necessarily mean that those perfect decks aren't out there, but I think they're probably going to be pretty rare if they do in fact exist. In terms of your strongest decks, are you aware of what they are deficient in? Do you know that there are going to be things that are going to mess you up when they hit the board, if they hit the board and that you look out for when you look at your opponent's Archon card? Oh, 100%. I, I've got a deck that runs three cooperative hunting and a ridiculous amount of creatures. I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I will always be on the lookout for something that is able to purge creatures just straight out of the game. Uh, there's not any amber guarding in that deck so i'm able to really keep control of the board and that's how i win the game is by the race i have a very big board hit it as much as hard as i can for a couple turns kind of clear it out and then just go on the reap spree and just you know get as much amber as i can and if he's got a bait and switch i'm gonna get a bait and switch i mean it, it is definitely something I, I realize that my deck is deficient in but with one of the natures of this game, you know, I can't slot in a card that would help with that deficiency, which is a good thing in this game, and I do definitely enjoy it. But, yeah, it it is one thing that you have to definitely look out for with the decks in general, is that... And I feel that this is maybe even a balancing act by the algorithm, is that the decks are made specifically with a couple of deficiencies just to kind of keep it in range. And every once in a while, you get a deck that slips out of that and, you know, either just doesn't have a, a deficiency whatsoever. And it's one of the 5% of best decks and, you know, it's totally off the bell curve. Or on the opposite end, it's one of the 5% of worst decks because it's off the bell curve because it just, you know, can't do anything. Nick, you've talked a couple times about your, your 10 out of 10 deck, like your objectively best deck. Does it have any weaknesses that you're aware of? Does it have any things that it just doesn't have answers for? Um, no, um, honestly, it, it really is a really great deck and I'm lucky that I got it and kind of hung onto it by accident. It was one of the first that I opened and I think I lost with it a bunch at first, so it just was uninteresting to me and thankfully I didn't trade it away. Um, but no, it's got, it's really got everything I need. Um, it's got board clear, it's got capture, it's got steel, it's got, you know, bait and switch. It's, it's, it's got it's it's kind of shaped what I look for in a deck. Like I think I mentioned this before. Because of this deck, I have a core set of cards that I haven't found yet, uh, at least for a reasonable price. But when I'm you know hunting on Toy Wiz and stuff like that, you know I I want it to have logos and shadows, and then the other house can be pretty much whatever. Um, I really don't care. This one has Sanctum, which it has played a huge role in it. But um, no, it's which might is probably not a very fun answer. Um, but I, you know, almost every other deck I've had does feel that way. But this one, it feels like 
in the case of you know me versus the deck, this deck is a better deck than I am a pilot. Like it, it the deck. I feel like the deck wins more than I win uh, with this deck. So that's, does that make it less fun to play? Um, no, because it's it it's definitely not fun to play um, when I play the same people over and over again, and it's definitely not fun to play when I'm playing new people because it's I I don't get any I really don't get any joy out of just you know stomping or anything like that. So I I bring a big pile of decks when I come uh, to my you know LGS and I pull those out. But it that doesn't bother me when I'm playing you know when I'm playing in a tournament I'm playing last round something like that and you know the person you're up against is is crazy good too. Um, and then I I need all the help I can get at that point. So anything that deck can can give me I'm happy to take. I don't know if we mentioned this on the show. We might have, so if we did, I apologize. We can just rehash it, I guess. Uh, but I saw it on Facebook. Somebody brought it up. Uh, and it what reminded me was Stephen mentioned something similar to it. Uh, what would you say is the, I don't know how to word it, the, the percentage uh, of deck versus player? Do you think it's uh, you know 50% deck that matters and 50% pilot or you know 25, 75? How, how would you personally rate that? Uh, the f- what what the factors are and how important they are. I feel it's like sixty forty, and sixty forty what uh, in both. Honestly, sometimes the deck is really good that you can you can kind of let off on the piloting a little bit, and you know you can make a couple mistakes. And it's just a good enough deck that it can survive on its own like that. And some decks need a bit more help, and you need to be a better pilot to run. Um, but. It depends on the deck, but I I would put the average around sixty forty. Uh, I would. It is definitely not a fifty fifty split, um, in my opinion. It just there's too wide of a breadth of decks that you're playing and that you're playing against. That it in a collectible card game where you're able to have deck building, um, it definitely will would be more fifty percent what your deck is and fifty percent what your piloting is because you're not able to change any of the cards here and you kind of are going in a little bit random against with your deck and random against your opponent's deck as well. Um, it really requires knowledge of the game and knowledge of your deck and what, again, what the weaknesses are, which is definitely a piloting skill, but the deck has to be, it has to stand up to be able to go up against a lot of people like that. So, so you said 60-40 in both directions? Yeah. But in the, like, that would be 50-50. No, 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 no. Like a single deck will be, like take every single deck in general. Some of them require better piloting. Some of them are just a better deck. Like I I don't think that anything is going to be 50-50. That's what I mean by that. I would agree that it's variable because there are some decks that you simply have to be a good pilot to win with. And those are the decks that are, generally speaking to me, more fun to play because they're the ones that reveal their secrets to you over time or that have weird little plays in them that you don't consider at first until they actually happen in actual gameplay and then they become part of your repertoire as you play the game. Uh, for me, I have a deck called the Misses of Innerham where one of the earliest weird tricks I discovered with it was its tendency to board clear with Champion's Challenge and pair that up with Loot the Bodies. 
And so you would get these turns where you would just, you know, uh, that's an obvious combo, but it's not something that occurred to me until such a time as I was actually playing it consistently. And that shaped how I played with the deck. I keep my board small. I wait for that combo to come around, which isn't unlikely because they're small decks, right? They're only 36 cards. You can sort of, you don't have to dig for them. You can wait for them to show up. And, you know, sometimes that works out for me great. Sometimes it works out for me very poorly, but it's been a game winner for me more than it's been a game loser as a strategy. So that's a deck where I definitely feel like having played with it for a little while and having given it to other folks to try out and play with it, I've noticed that the people who play with it more frequently, myself, people have tried it more than once, definitely get a better feel for it and then it becomes the pilot, not the deck necessarily at all. Um, The deck is great, it's super cool, it's super fun, but until you have that experience piloting it, you won't be able to make anything out of it. And then, you know, much like Steven said, some decks are just forgiving. They have so much in them. They've got so much amber control. They've got so much burst in them. They've got so many ways to lock down your opponent or, you know, uh, delay your opponent for a turn or, you know, play play tempo games with how fast the game is going that you can be forgiven for making mistakes. And you will make mistakes with them because oftentimes I think those decks can actually encourage kind of sloppy play, right? I'm super guilty of it. My hottest deck, you know, I'll take it out on the battlefield and I feel like it's already at an advantage because I've won with it so much. And so I'm not keeping my head in the game and I'm relying on the deck to make up for my deficiencies as a pilot. I think one of the great things about Keyforge is that if you have an avenue to play suboptimal decks, it makes you a better player of the game. So yeah, I, I agree with Steven in that I think that it's a little bit of both depending on the deck. Okay. Um, I will. I'll try to narrow it down, and I'll I'll ignore like the the exceptions of you know the really really amazing decks stuff like that. I would say either fifty fifty or like twenty five seventy five with seventy five percent being the deck. And I say that because you know it and it kind of depends who you're going up against. I could take a bad deck and win against somebody who's you know not good at the game, but that like it doesn't matter how good of a pilot you are if your deck's bad it's bad um i don't think you know any especially i guess context does matter a lot you know who you're playing against and and that stuff but that's kind of the point is that it's supposed to be just like a vague overall all encompassing kind of number um and i I could be totally wrong but i from my personal experience I, i feel like your your deck the deck is more important than the pilot you know, it doesn't doesn't matter how great a pilot is and how well they can use it. It's like a. I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. Uh, if you give the you know, the best race car driver in the world uh, a a Pinto, he he can only push it as far as it'll go. Like he's he's only able to use it. You know what's in that deck, and there are some decks. Yeah, I think the the majority of decks maybe maybe that's not fair. There are a fair amount of decks that just don't come equipped with what you need to win. They just are, you know, super weak on amber, super weak on your board, you know, whatever it is, however however you should win with it. Um, that's, I would say if a safe bet would be 50-50 at least. I don't think it's, you know, 75% pilot, 25% deck, personally. But I could be totally wrong. Um, I was curious... I wanted to touch on it earlier, but I didn't want to branch too far off the topic. 
Do you guys have, and I'm, I'm really asking this for like very selfish reasons because I either want to confirm what I think or I want to shed this poor practice that I have. Do you guys, do you guys have must-have cards that you look for? You know, somebody says, hey, you want to buy this deck, you want to trade this deck. Do you look at that, you know, you see a house that you like. Do you have a must-have card in any any one house that if a deck doesn't have, maybe you won't not buy it, but maybe it becomes much, much, much less interesting to you? I'll say that um, my reason for loving Untamed is key cheating. So if it Untamed deck doesn't have key cheating, it better be very strong in the other things that Untamed can do. Because that is the one thing with Untamed where I just, I need to have it. I want to have it. It's it's the game winner. Um, not so much with Shadows. Like at first, obviously, everybody thinks of Bait and Switch. But I mean, I, I have lots of Shadows decks without Bait and Switch and they do okay. Some of them do very well. Um, I, I genuinely think though that the key cheating is the thing with untamed that, that gets me, gets my motor running. What about you, Steven? Um, I think it really depends on each of the houses. Um, I really like cards that change the game or change the rules of the game. So like in shadows, the sting, I love the sting. Uh, I've seen people debate about its worth and how good or how bad it is. But like for me, it's the card that I look for. Um, because it really just changes how you play the game. Um, in these, uh, Annihilation Ritual or A Fair Game are the two ones that I really want to look for because, again, they change how you play each deck. Um, my favorite, though, like outside of all of them, is still going to be Mars with a Zookeeper. And it's a little bit less that it doesn't change the game as much as such as the other cards do. But the fact that I'm able to just go and be like, this card is now mine. And I tuck it away underneath my Archon and the archives. And it just sits there for the rest of the game. And there's not really anything you can do about it. And it's just one of those neat effects that doesn't really happen in a lot of other games. So I definitely try to pull that as as much as i can in there um but i've got a few key cards i look for in each of the houses that i'm like yeah this deck definitely interests me more because it's there um but that being said those cards aren't always consistent and will sometimes do as good for you as it does for your opponent um definitely uh, a key one is speed sigil and evasion sigil they both help your opponent more than they help you most of the time. So like they're fun cards. They change the rules of the game. They fit all the criteria that I'm looking for and I do enjoy them. Don't get me wrong, but because the fact that they're a extremely powerful symmetrical effect, they definitely require a lot more skill and I'm not going to down to myself, but Sometimes it feels like I don't have the skill to to run them yet. So they're they're still on my watch list, but they're a little bit lower. But really, as long as the deck has good synergies and is able to play well, like it definitely interests me. Just if I'm able to change the rules of the game by putting on a card, oh, you, you better believe I'm looking for that deck right there. Personally, I... I'll break it up into two categories because I have some that I need and some that I like or want. Um, the only one I really look for is if it's got shadows, 
I think for me, it needs to have bait and switch. Um, I'm sure there's a billion people out there that don't care for it or don't want it or whatever. So I don't mean like if you have shadows, you need to have bait and switch. But personally, if I'm going to have shadows in my deck, I think bait and switch is almost the whole point of it for me. Um, Shadows on its own without it just doesn't. I feel like I I could replace it with more valuable houses and cards uh, for my personal play style. Um, but out of cards I want, um, if it's got logos, I really, really, until I get sick of it, I really want it to have library access. Um, and that's the name of the show. That's right. <laughs> uh, library access. Um, and with library access, I want phase shift and wild wormhole. But at a certain point I start to get like too deep into it and it becomes more and more unlikely that the, you know, that combination will pop up. Um, and I'd really love to have time traveler and library access and all, all the, the ones I mentioned previously. Um, there's also in sanctum, I really, really, really love glorious few. And I really, really, really love numquid the fair, um, glorious few gets you one Amber for every creature your opponent controls in excess of you. So you can let, you know, if you want to play, if you want to, if you want to really play a, a, a single, you know, aspect of your deck let your opponent build up this crazy big board get all confident gain you know gain 10 amber 12 amber whatever it is however much they have and then you play numquid the fair which is destroy an enemy creature repeat this card's effect as long as your creature as long as your opponent still controls more creatures than you so if you especially if you can get both of those out you you know get all that amber and then just you know send them to the shadow realm um those are those are the cards i i look for currently um, I like Miasma. It's not necessary for me, but it's one of those that I, I, I check for it, but I it won't turn me away from the deck if it doesn't have it. And I I need to, I, I guess uh, you guys answered. Um, I, I personally know that I have a, a core set of decks and definitely a core set of houses that I like, and all of my play typically re- revolves around those. Do you guys personally have any houses that you're not paying enough attention to that you you know either by choice or by accident Brobnar for sure oh oh by far i i think i own three of my ducks is a very little amount of Brobnar and Mm -hmm. it it's one of those kind of i sleep on it a lot and i feel that the more times i get punched in the face by Flame Fist and um, Ganger Chieftain, the more I'm like, okay, you know, Brubner's definitely got some legs underneath it, but it just doesn't fit my play style, so I kind of sleep on it a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I I think out of out of all the houses, I definitely definitely sleep on Brobnar, and I probably overhype Mars in the opposite direction because Mars is. The best house and all the pieces fall together. Have you ever made a key abduction work, Stephen? I've made a double key abduction work. It was glorious. Wow, that is a lot of Mars creatures. uh, No, it was archives. Ah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, 
in response to your question, I kind of have a little bit of everything that I like to play with. For the longest time, it was dis. Like, I just didn't have any good or effective dis decks, and they weren't fun to play. And then I pulled one that had four arises in it, and instantly, I started playing that deck all the time because it was such a ridiculous deck to play with because it was just constantly clearing the board, killing all the guys, bringing everybody back. Oh, you've killed them again? I bring them back again. And it really made me fall in love with dis, even though it's not much better than a 50-50 deck, if that, um, in terms of win-loss. So yeah, this is probably the one um, that traditionally I neglected the most, but now have a lot of affection for, at least when playing that deck specifically. But I think that as a deck, or as a house rather, it has a lot of tricks that I haven't sussed out, and that's just a lack of having good, strong, or varied dis uh, house layout in the decks that I have that have dis in them. I, um, I'm kind of with you on Brobnar. Um, I, I actively avoid Mars and I think I avoid Mars the most. And then Brobnar is a close second. Um, I think I see more value per, for my play style in Brobnar, but even then it's just, it's not super common for me to come across a deck with a, with a powerful Brobnar, um, from what I've seen, and that might be my fault just because I haven't played it enough to, to know what I'm looking at. Um, I don't play a lot of dis. Um, what I really don't play a lot of is Untamed. Uh, and that's the one that kind of happens by accident. I just don't have a lot of decks with it or a lot of good combo, you know, decks with good house combinations that I like that have caught, forced me to play it. Um, I... Uh, I don't know. I, I neglect a lot. I just I kind of find what works and then I either stick with that deck and play it, you know, in person and online, or I will seek out decks that have similar, you know, similar combos and similar playstyles because it's what's worked for me so well. Um it'll be really interesting to see. I'm I'm kind of waiting for my deck to get chained so I can be forced to play something different. And I have to I have to I've kind of started. I've I think it was a couple, you know, a month ago or something, I went to a, a double elimination. You bring two decks. When one loses, you can't use it anymore. And it 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 woke me up that I had to bring, uh, yeah, I had to bring another good deck. And I hadn't really determined what another good deck of mine was. So and yeah, that caused me to. Re- I've talked about it before. It caused me to like really sit down and like really flush out my uh, my spreadsheet and see what what and actually chart you know what works and what doesn't um and now i'm kind of getting to the point where i've got i've got three that are above 80 um well it looks like i've got another one that has 100 percent, but with four wins so that will change um but I, i'm fi- figuring out what's good and bad um and it's forcing me to uh, and actually how I do it, uh, bring it back around full circle to our first thing, is I, I charted all the SAS scores. And this is kind of what I've been doing from, you know, since I've really like dug into the scoring. Uh, when somebody wants to sell me a deck or trade me a deck, uh, like at the, at the store, I, I look up the score. And that's the first thing I go by. If it has a bad score, I don't want it. If it's got a 65, no thank you. And it's possible I'll miss out on a really good deck, but... You know, I'd, I'd actually, here's a, a little challenge. If one of you has like a deck that rates really, really, really poorly, you know, 60, 65, whatever, I don't think I've seen a 60, post it in the comments and tell us, you know, tell us about it, tell us your win rate, stuff like that. Cause I, I would legitimately like to be proven wrong and know that I can, you know, not dismiss those poor decks. Um, 
But I, I've been rating those decks, and if they you know do well 75 to 80, I'll go ahead and pick them up and then try them out from there. But that's helped me. You know, I had a spreadsheet with 40 decks, and there was just no feasible way to get through them. Um, not in a fun way. I was finding myself um, doing it like, you know, work. I'd play one game with one deck, and then I'd move right on to the next one. And, you know, it. I feel like you have to play a deck four times i would say five times to get a to get a read on it both in terms of the score it gets and just your personal experience you know even if you lost a bunch with it you after five games you can tell whether you know whether the deck has potential or not or if you want to contradict you know your own personal win loss with it but i uh, you know i charted them all out like that and then i just took anything that rated 60 and just threw it in the for sale and i i took it to the store and I, you know, I just opened up this giant, one of those long white deck boxes and just pulled them all out on the table. And uh, our, our store does a $5 buy-in. And then you get that $5 buy-in back in store credit. So everyone at the end of the night has these little $5 tokens. And I just said, you know, here, here are all these decks, $5. And, you know, people flock to the table and, you know, everyone finds something they like. And, you know, everyone's happy. They get a deck for 5 bucks. I get it's 5 bucks. Awesome. By the end of the night, I got, yeah, by the end of the night, I got 30 bucks. And That's it's, three new decks. <laughs> yeah it's it's worked pretty well um i did get in a little bit of trouble um i knew it was a rule from when i played like as a kid that you're not supposed to buy sell in the store um but he came over and hey, it's poor it's poor taste well, yeah i guess but you know it's i i understand several reasons why it's the case i'm not oblivious to it i'm not arguing with it but if i if i had a store i would i would kind of pick and choose who i enforce that with you know, like me and that guy, are we were there the only ones for the first, you know, month of Keyforge, and then we're the only ones that are there, like, literally every time. Like, he can look at us and tell, like, ah, oh, these guys aren't going to throw hands over Keyforge decks. Like, you know, they can do their $5 deals. That's fine. But I, I get it, you know. You got to enforce it across the board. If you, uh, I was going to say, if you want to go back a couple of weeks, um, Alex and I were talking about a deck that he had, uh, Peak Toes. Um, and that's a little bit higher on the SAS. Uh, it's a 70 SAS. I just looked it up on Dex of Keyforge. And I don't know if you've been playing it, but until it became an, a invalid deck on Crucible, because everyone's been trying it out after that episode, um, I, I was testing around and playing with it and seeing how I like it. And um, I don't know if you've gotten relatively anything else with it, Alex, but it, going with what you were saying about the SAS, like it's a 70 SAS. That's not terrible it's you know middle of the road i would say i would say 70 is on the lower end i haven't seen i haven't seen any that have been six well i have one for 60 and all the rest of mine sit at 65 as the lowest okay so uh, that makes it even better what i was gonna say for my case yes um but i've have a extremely good win rate with peak toes on the crucible right now and again i haven't played it too much since it's only been a couple weeks and i kind of after it got invalidated i kind of stopped touching it but i was at 10 wins and only three losses with it yeah i think that was one of those classic cases of i didn't know how to win with it so i thought it was bad and then have been proven wrong since yeah and i think i beat you with it a couple times (laughs) yeah i think you did but yeah and it's just one of those cases where like yeah and then this is the reason why i kind of i take the the ratings in stride um they're good benchmarks but they're not the end all be all but it, it's definitely one of those things where like boss h peak toes would be a deck i'd be happy just to drop in a tournament and be like all right let's play it and it's not because it's absolutely you know th- 
it has no nothing really insane in it. Like definitely two second networks has been the absolute star though, because I'm just been able to eat people's amber like it's delicious, delicious. I don't know. Ice cream? Yeah. I, I, I tried not to say ice cream again. I really did. We went back to ice cream. Hey, can I ask you guys a question that kind of pairs up earlier with with Nick's question about, you know, is there something you're looking for when you look at a deck that you might be interested in getting a hold of or when you open up a deck for the first time? And this is at the risk of being slightly negative, but uh, are there any uh, cards that bum you out when you see them? Because I have a couple and there's a theme to them. Um, The two for me are Key Abduction and Key of Darkness because I have never gotten them to go off in any of the decks that I have with them, and they just feel like dead weight in my hand whenever I have them, and they're almost an instant discard just because it's very hard to get them to work properly. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there who've won games with them, but when I see them in a deck list, I'm just like, ah, couldn't you have been something else? Couldn't you have been a zookeeper? Couldn't you have been like a miasma or a bait and switch or a one last job or something? Why, why key of darkness? Why key abduction? Anything like that for you guys? Um, I have, I have two answers. Uh, it happens way more frequently on crucible. Um, I and sometimes I don't look for them. Sometimes I don't look at deck lists, uh, but you can tell when they when they play them the, the kind of play they're doing, or you know, if they pop out, you know, two uh, virtuous works in a row or something like that. You know, I I get bummed about little trends like that that make me think like, ah, oh, you're you either have a like a a crazy crazy good deck or you don't have a deck. Um, but in person, I think the only thing. Um, and I try not to do, I try not to share deck lists, uh, in person. I think I mentioned this before. If, if somebody mentions it, I'm happy to oblige, but I, I'll try to kind of slip past it. Um, just cause I think it's more fun to go in blind. Um, you know, you don't look at each other's cards in magic or anything. Um, but in the, in the case, you know, in the context in which I, I look at their deck list, uh, I think bait and switch is probably the biggest one bait and switch or, um, is it Drumble? Just uh, I look for like the real big capture, you guys. Um, depending on what house they're playing, um, bait and switch is the biggest one. Not because them taking half my amber particularly bo- particularly bothers me, but it's because it just totally disrupts the, the flow of the game. It's like when somebody puts down the sting; like you play kind of differently. Um, it's just knowing that it's there. You know, I might have a crazy amber generation deck and just. I, you know, I might lose because I don't go as hard as I could um, just because it's somewhere lurking in that, you know, pile of 36 right there. Um, But aside from that, there's nothing, nothing that really frustrates me to see. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really trying to think. There's nothing worth mentioning, I guess. You know, I'll, somebody will play a card that, you know, on a deck list, it doesn't really bother me, but it'll be in conjunction with, you know, a taunt next to it or, you know, some upgrade or something that makes it just exceptionally powerful. And things like that bother me um, just because it's uh, not because it's cheap or anything, but just because it seems almost hopeless for me. It's just like, oh boy, like, yeah, I know how this goes. Like now I can't do any of this until I take care of this and the likelihood of me being able to take care of this. Um, certain combos, like if they have, you know, Witch of the Eye and they're able to pull something really crazy back over and over again and I don't have anything to, you know, to deal with their cards without just, just getting screwed over, over and over again. That's, that's the best I can think of. 
Ooh, I, I I'm gonna spit out three Mars cards, and this is mostly because like Mars is the one I have the most experience with and what I look for. But the three cards that I absolutely do not want to see in Mars is EMP Blast, because it just stuns my own creatures. Um, mm-hmm. and I in the same exact vein, um, Phosphorus Stars, which stuns every non-Mars creature and gives you way too many chains for a terrible effect. Um, both those cards are just dead draws to me, more or less. Like EMP Blast definitely has some use being it gives you an amber and it destroys every artifact mm-hmm. in play. So sometimes it's worth it for me to stun all my Mars creatures, or if I don't have any Mars creatures out, like it definitely. There are definitely situations where EMP Blast comes into play, but it's one of those cards where I just get it in my hand and I'm like, all right, I'm probably going to discard this. And, you know, I'll take a look at the board state. Sometimes it's played, sometimes it's not. Um, Phosphorus Stars almost never gets played. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, if it was maybe one chain, I, I definitely play it. But stun each Namar's creature, gain two chains, just feels so painful for kind of a little of an effect um and the other one that i I feel is on the fence is like custom virus and it's a rare mars card uh artifact omni sacrifice custom virus purge a creature from your hand destroy each creature that shares a trait with that purge creature and i love it in mirror matches and it's pretty much just an amber in every other every other match um and there's a few on the other sides um i I know i've talked i've talked a lot of trash about epic quest uh, on the podcast and i've i was very kindly gifted a really good epic quest deck by one of our listeners and in that one specific deck man i love epic quest but yeah if, if i look at a second deck and i'll see epic quest and there's you know two or three nights and i'm just like okay i guess it's it's a good artifact that i can you know maybe try and put out and bait some artifact destruction or stack my archive for a good turn a little bit later down the road like it it has more of a poker play in that case but that's definitely like one of the cards that i'm just like yeah i i could do without it um and then a lot of like the specific silver bullet cards, um, Imperial Trader, um, take that smarty pants. I think is the Brobnar card that does it against Logos. Like the one that only it gives you an amber, which is cool, but then it only has an effect against one specific house. I, I feel very nil on like they're great when they fire and they're an amber when they don't. So like there, there's definitely a few cards that I. I I can go through and be like, eh, okay. It, they don't get me excited for anything, but like, they're not bad cards. They're all situational, but their situation is just so specific that I'm like, eh, okay, I'll. Uh, it's a card. It's a. It's it's in my deck slot. I'll try and make it work, or I discard it and draw a new card. So it. I don't know. I, I kind of long-winded that answer a lot, but there's there's definite cards that I, even I'm just like, uh, no, no, I'm good, thanks. It is the most frustrating feeling in the world when somebody actually gets off a of phosphorus stars on you. Oh no, I love it. I, I will yeah. happily clap my hands and be like, "You you got me. Good job." 
Yeah, you know, when I say the most frustrating feeling in the world, it's mostly just because I've never been able to use it effectively. So when somebody else gets it on me, I'm like, come on. I've got stars. Yeah. I've got off once or twice when it was extremely beneficial for me. And then probably like five or six times where it's been slightly beneficial for me. And the rest of the times, I'm just like, this is not worth two chains. Into the trash bin you go. Yeah, chains bother me a little less than they used, a little less now than they used to. Um, I think it's because I have a couple decks that just, um, they're they're just they're super chain heavy. They just you know every card. It's not every card, obviously, but you know there's a a lot of cards in that particular deck that that just feed me chains, and I I can either resist it and slow my play down by a whole lot, or I can just you know say screw it and you just kind of embrace it. And I've never been at a point where I've not been able to draw two cards. Um, so I don't, I don't know if typically I try to stay in a situation where I can just unload as many cards as my, in my hand, you know, unless something is specifically calling for a certain house or if I have a, you know, particularly powerful board state that I need to deal with before it, you know, gets wiped away next turn for some reason, I usually opt for the, the hand or the, the house in which I have the most cards in my hand. Um, so especially with that, you know, I, I, I try to throw out as many cards from my hand of that house that I can and draw up uh, as many new cards as possible. So that five versus six doesn't isn't devastating to me quite yet. So did, do you mind if I ask a kind of like a lightning round question for you? Because you brought up, you know, holding on to some cards until you can have that big, you know, hand where you can offload everything. How many turns does it do you want to keep a good card in your hand like a card that can very much like turn the tide of a game like a bait and switch or stuff like that like is is there holding onto a card too long is there i think it depends on the cards and i don't have a big list of them uh like i know it when i see it i think context matters obviously but i'll try to give a not boring answer um bait and switch i will always hold on to i will never discard it um uh, library access, I will always hold on to. And when I get library access, depending on who I'm playing and what the stakes are, I, I usually try to play. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to build up for a library access play. And I'll try to get, you know, four, four logos cards in my hand at least and be able just to like spit them all out at once. Um, cause if not, it's like, it's a real fizzle out thing for me. Um, and some decks that I have library access in, the the logos are just you know the gifts that keep on giving with you know their their suit their immediate amber and that each card lets you you know do something really wild um so i think you know context is obviously super important um i'm trying to think like a more boring card that would still be super useful miasma is a good one um maybe miasma is not a good one because it has an amber uh i it's, it's really tricky to give this answer because the context is so incredibly important, you know, for each card. Um, but I guess I did answer with the bait and switch. I'll hold on to bait and switch forever. Uh, I will never discard it. Uh, my asthma, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I'm going to need it. You know, if I feel like the game is an even match or if it's going in their favor, I'll hang on to it until I need it. Um, if it's, you know, turn two and they have zero Amber and I've got a cool, sh- uh, shadows play, um, I'll I'll throw it down just to get that amber and you know try to build myself up. That's kind of what it is. I will I will get rid of cards. I guess I shouldn't be looking at it by a card by card, but I will get rid of useful cards if I either desperately need to draw that extra card um 
or if I can use, if I can kind of sacrifice that really great card just to get that single amber. Um, you know, if I'm about to be at six, uh, or if the game's you know going really well in my favor. You know, if I have two keys and they have zero, I I might not hang on to that that library access. The bait and switch, I probably still would, just because it might. You know, there's. I don't know. That's a that's a really good question, and I'm sorry I guess it's a shitty answer. But what about you guys? Um, I will hold on to a key charge if I have two keys because that's the game winner. Um, oftentimes it's, and then the decks that I have it in, I'm looking for that burst turn where I can get it down and have that be it. So I will hold on to that. And we've all had those games where it's like the epic last key where things are going fine. And then suddenly just due to removal and people not being able to, uh, get stuff back and people playing cards that, you know, just take Amber off the table and out of each other's, uh, reserves, et cetera, et cetera. You just get that final key that takes forever to get out. And I've had enough of those experiences that I will hold on to a key charge in those scenarios. I don't generally, uh, feel the need to hold on to it from, if I get it in my first hand, like, no, come on. Unless uh, there's absolutely a chance that I'm going to play it within two turns, then no, not worth it. But yeah, that's the one thing that I feel like I'm always holding on to, uh, especially in those late game moments. But uh, bait and switch I'll hold on to for a little bit. But if it doesn't look like it's going to be that kind of game, like I'm just consistently ahead on on Amber or what have you, then I'll I'll chuck it. You know, uh, the, 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 there's a few good examples. Steven, what, what are you saying about this? I hate holding on to cards flat out <laughs> um there's some definite exceptions uh key charge near the end of the game is definitely one of them um like a, a couple of the mars cards that require you to have mars creatures or reveal cards to draw like uh, those those are definite like situational ones but i would much rather rip through my deck and get the second chance to see those cards like in a 36 card deck with the approximation that every card is above average on a power level. Um, because I'm assuming that you're bringing a really good deck and I'm, I'm assuming tournament play when I say this, every card is probably on either the right on the average line or an above average card. What's better than playing that card once playing it twice. Um, and like I said, there's definitely, there are situations where I will hang onto a card. Like if, if I got key charged near the bottom of my deck, I'll hang onto it and not shuffle that back in. Um, bait and switch again, if I have it near the end of the game, I, in the decks that I have bait and switch, I only tend to play it once. Um, and I, I tend to play it knowing full well when I need to play it and to keep my, my Amber kind of low when that happens. Um, but yeah, the only one that I would really say I consistently hang on to is library access. And for obvious reasons of like, hey, I'll just, you know, draw an additional six cards this turn, five cards, you know, even like three or four cards. It's still really strong. Um, and Battlefleet and Mars is the exact same way. Uh, I'll hang on to a Battlefleet for probably longer than i honestly should and sometimes if the game's going kind of weird i'll play a battle fleet for one or two pull what i can hope for the best and just you know keep on going um but yeah i i hate holding on to cards if i'm i will never hold on to two cards 
that that is a hundred percent fact. I will if I have two cards that are in my hand, like if I have library access and a battle fleet, I will look at my hand and I will get rid of the one I think is least likely to fire soon. And there's been times where I've thrown away library access for that very reason. And my opponents look at me like I'm absolutely bonkers. And I'm just like, eh, you know, like it, it's just one of those things where I'd much rather get through that deck as quickly as I can and start replaying the cards because a card is more valuable the more copies of it in a deck you have. And if this was a deck building game, like, you know, there's a certain amount of copies of each card you can have in a deck for consistency. The closest thing to that consistency I can get in Keyforge is shuffle my deck, let's do it again. Um, it's the reason why I love uh, Reverse Time. Reverse Time is one of the, I think, one of the strongest cards in the game by far. And it's one I of the wackiest. Yeah, I didn't realize it when I first read it. And I was just like, okay, it just swaps the two. It's not anything, you know, anything too, too crazy. It gets you to the end of the deck faster. It's definitely a good card. But I never thought it was the absolute best card until I saw it being played with a couple decks. And they were just being able to pull off these ridiculous strings of combos. That, And I'm just like, okay, nope. You, you've made me a believer. I love this card. It's great. Um, I I might go so far as to say it's the strongest card in the game. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. I can already feel the pitchforks and torches coming. Um, but yeah, because of the fact that you're able to recycle your deck so fast, I think that that is honestly probably the strongest card in the game right now. And of course, this might be just my meta that I play in and, you know, the people that I play against and the randomness I get from Crucible. But man, I if it, it again, it also goes back to one of those cards that kind of changes the, the rules of the game for a little while. Yeah. So and that might be also why I might I might be overhyping this. I don't think I'm overhyping this. I, I, I would drop money that like. If you looked at consistently good decks that have logos, you're going to see library access and reverse time as like one, one, two, you know, throw time traveler in one, two or three. They just allow you to do some crazy bonkers kind of stuff. And I love them. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, reverse time is a favorite card for me for logos. Um, one, because it lets you just cycle your deck so incredibly fast. However, there are situations in which I have definitely screwed myself with it, where I played it early enough in the game or too late in the game, and it didn't do anything for me. And a couple of times where I had played through a couple of good combos, and then I played it, and then it just didn't come up in the right order for me, and I was left with dead hands, and it was just, it was awful. But, I mean, that's that's... The, the exception rather than the rule. It is a ridiculously powerful card in most contexts. I, I mean, that's key forge in a nutshell. Like, yeah. you, you gotta embrace the random. That and a wild wormhole, baby. Do you guys have... I, I'm sure we've talked about this, and it seems like a boring topic, but if, we, if we've already talked about it once, I feel like it's way more of an appropriate discussion now. Um, now that you've played the games for, you know, for some months, and you're presumably pretty good at it do you have a favorite house and how easy is it for you to pick that house as your favorite mars done next 
<laughs> I mean, I've talked about it multiple times on here, and it's been one of the definitely one of the houses that I have become most accustomed to. It's zany. It's crazy. It's got the cards that just really they require so much support from other Mars cards. And sometimes from card like Martians make bad allies requires you to not have good Mars cards in hand. Um, but just the effects that they do, the flavor that Mars has. And it, I really feel like every single card with the exception of stupid phosphorus stars that can go, that can go burn in the discard pile. That, that card is the shadow realm. It belongs in the shadow realm forever. Um, but yeah, Mars just has all these amazing effects that, and again, sometimes it really requires Mars to have Mars on the field. It, most of them require Mars to have Mars on the field, but as long as you can get that, that ball rolling, Mars is, Mars is almost unstoppable in most situations, as long as that snowball is started. Uh, I'm an untamed guy. I really love untamed for the key cheating I mentioned earlier, for cards like Fertility Right, uh, for Fuzzy Gruen, um, for the witches, like it just it's got so much inside of it, and different untamed decks play so differently from each other and can do different and interesting things. I have one deck that consistently does a trick because it has a bunch of cooperative huntings and a bunch of save the packs where I can clear out all of my opponent's uh, creatures just by doing one damage to them and then hitting a save the pack where it destroys every damaged creature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get out uh, a hunting witch and maybe a witch of the eye and maybe a niffle ape and then you play down two uh, against a wall of sanctums, get past their armor for one point of damage and hit that save the pack. That is a great feeling getting that untamed win with a key charge in the last turn is a great feeling. Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like untamed is the one where I've had the most fun playing it. It might not be the most winning house for me. I think shadows is probably more of a factor in my big win situations, but I definitely feel like untamed is the one that like it's closest to my heart. What about you, Nick? Um, I think it's low. I have, I, I was really, I was super confident, like 100% confident that my answer was going to be Logos. Um, I I feel like it's just the most consistently helpful, um, no matter what it is. Like, there's not a lot that stands out. I have my favorite cards, and I like, you know, Library Access. I love Phase Shift a lot. I really love Phase Shift. Um, I like Wild Wormhole a lot, kind of for the same reason. Um, and then Time Traveler has become a new favorite of mine, and I'm hoping to get more decks with Time Traveler in it. Um so it can just kind of accompany other good decks as opposed to being kind of the focus. Like I think some people play it. Um, but Sanctum is another really, really great one for me. Um, it's just kind of been consistently helpful. Just I, I haven't really played a lot of, maybe that's what I'm, where I come from is I haven't had bad experiences with either of them. I'm sure they exist, but you know, Sanctum has, like I was explaining earlier, glorious view, numquid the fair, uh, virtuous works is amazing. Um, and I can't remember what it was. I don't know what the deck is. I probably sold it. But I remember one game I sat down and played with somebody. And it had, it was just like a, is it Zookeeper that lets you reap and archive your opponent's card? Yep. It is Zookeeper. The guy. Okay. It was, it was just like that for Sanctum. Uh, and it was just like the most controlly, most badass, like, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed that play style. Just the opponent couldn't do anything. They would, they would, their board was empty. I was, every turn I was throwing more Sanctum creatures down there. And 
I'd, you know, I'd archive their biggest guy, their most useful guy, and I'd just throw mine at their other ones. And I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so it's, I guess if I had to pick a, if I had to pick a favorite, I'd pick Logos. Um, I think I like Logos and Sanctum uh, just about the same. And they're both at about a hundred percent. Um, a, a second question, kind of a segue question. Do you have a least favorite house, uh, to play against? Shadows. And, oh, really? Mine was Dis, probably for similar reasons, but Dis, I don't know. I won't, I won't answer yours for you, obviously. Um, but Dis, the, the capturing is almost more devastating than the stealing because I can compensate for, you know, oh, you've got an urchin, you're going to steal one. You know, that's okay. I will, instead of attacking, I will reap for two, so I will be up at eight, you know, whatever, uh, instead of leaving it at, or, you know, I'll be up at seven instead of six. So when you play that urchin, you don't just steal one. Um, it's you know if they're playing disc, they've got you know capture all, capture you know capture three, capture three, just stuff like that is is more devastating to my personal play style from mm-hmm. you know from my experience. So this would definitely be my least favorite to play against. Or God, I don't want to flip flop, but shadows for bait and switch. It just it yep. really fucks things up, but. That's the, I one, think, the one reason I said shadows is I think bait and switch is so powerful. It's so common and it is a frustrating feeling to get bait and switch. It's an awesome feeling to bait and switch somebody, which is one of the true, like sort of, uh, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Paradoxes of key forge, you know, bait and switch feels great when you're doing it feels terrible when you get it done to you. And that's kind of the nature of it. Would I take the card out of the game? no. Do I hate it when it happens to me? Yes. And it's also one of those cards that just doesn't feel like it needs anything to like, there's no strategy to it. It just happens. And I find that mildly frustrating, but uh, yeah, that's the one reason I would say shadows pretty much everybody else. I give a, you know, a, it's a fair game, even dis with, you know, the card, a fair game, but for some reason shadows gets, gets me. I would pick this over shadows because uh, just for myself, because when you get that bait and switch out, it's done. It's done until they, you know, cycle through their deck or whatever. Or, you know, you'll see it coming back no matter what. Like, you, once it's gone, you'll know when it's back. Um, with dis, you know, they've they've got six dis creatures in there. And each of, them, each of them does something devastating to your amber. Even though it's just temporarily, you know, those three turns in a row when they can stop you from forging that key while they're beefing their shit up. Like, that can just so drastically alter the outcome of the game. And it has enough for me that this is the one that I kind of groan at when I when I see it coming toward me. Um, not that I've not that I've had a lot of losing experience with this over any of the other ones, I think, but it's certainly the most noticeable uh, when you're getting screwed with. Man, you guys have such good answers for that, and mine's gonna be real simple. I hate Sanctum, and it's because of the armor. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It. They, they, every Sanctum Knight has armor, and thematically it makes sense, and I love the theme of it. And it's not, I don't hate to play it. I, I do enjoy Sanctum. It's probably one of my least favorite houses, but yeah, the armor game that they have is just so good. Having just that extra bulk of HP to deal with, just to like have to punch through. With the exception of that, um, I can't remember the name of it. There's a there's like one sanctum that has reap capture one. Um, with the exception of that, 
I typically don't deal with Sanctum a lot. Like I just let them, you know, unless they're building up this devastating board state and they're reaping for five each turn or something like that. You know, like if you have three Sanctum right there and you know you have a taunt in the middle and he gives two armor to each on the side and they're just these crazy beefy powerful walls, like we're not playing, you know, I don't know where I, I'll just, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll attack your face. Like I don't have to attack your creatures. Like I'll go for my own Amber. Um, yeah. So my, my experience with it has been, unless I have to deal with it, I just skip past it. So um, on the same topic of, since we're going with favorites and least favorites, um, real fast, Alex, it, it, what's your favorite and least favorite card from each house? Oh gosh. Um, I'm, you know what? Um, I really, really dig wild wormhole from, uh, logos and I really, really actively, um, have not ever been able to get, uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, transposition sandals. Like I, I, it just doesn't seem to work for me. It's not bad. It's just a thing that has been indexed that has kind of seemed like a dead card. Actually, you know what? Better one. Um, the research, research Smoko, the guy who is like a two. And if he dies, you archive the top card of your deck. Like that one to me feels kind of underpowered for what he is and what he can do. Um, I mean, archiving is good, but it, it doesn't feel like something that I totally want. All right. We'll, uh, we'll go down, we'll go down the list for the quarter. How about Mars? Oh gosh. Uh, Compod for favorite and key abduction for least favorite. Ow. I love key abduction. Um, Sanctum. Uh, Virtuous Works at number one for Sanctum. And let me think about this. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Oath of Poverty. That's fair. Uh, Shadows. Uh, Shadows is the same card. I I both love and despise Bait and Switch. That's what I expected off of both of you guys. Uh, Untamed. I'm guessing Key Charge number one. Chota Hazri, Ooh, number one. He charged Chota with the body. I, I can't go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And least favorite is, um, I don't know that I have a least favorite. Like, I really dig pretty much everything in that house. Like, there's nothing that strikes me as being real trash. I guess if I totally had to pick one, um, the common cold isn't my favorite. All right, Rubnar. Favorite Brobnar's Champions Challenge, because it's a wacky one that doesn't come out that often. Uh, least favorite one is I don't like uh, Tireless Crocag. And this. Favorite discard is probably Arise. Arise is wild, man. It changes the game. Least favorite. Um, uh, you know what? I've actually had some good times with him, but I've also had some real bad times with him. Lord of the Pit. Lord of the Pit. Lord of the Pit. <laughs> oh. If he comes out late game, he can be a thing, but... Uh, yeah. Oh no, I definitely agree. Lord, Lord of the Pits is definitely one of those that's just kind of, ooh, either great or terrible at, at both times. All right, Nick, you're on. You're on the button now. Uh, we'll start off with Brobnar. Okay, I'm not going to do my least favorite because I don't have enough of them to like actually have a a a, a real answer. Oh, that's to that's fair. Uh, favorite favorite Brobnar uh, right now is Burn the Stockpile. These. Um, the terror because I have a deck with three of them and it's really, really, really satisfying. Uh, you either get one first turn uh, if your opponent has no amber gain two, uh, or if you have second turn. There have only been like twice when I've done it, but I've been able to play all three on my second turn and have six amber. 
Wow, that's crazy. Um, logos. Library access. Or library access is, is my favorite one. Um, time Traveler is the most fun I have with them right now, currently. Mars? Um, I don't have a favorite Mars card. Uh, just because I haven't played enough to give a good, a real answer. I'm hurt. <laughs> Sanctum. <laughs> um, it was a, it was a, a, a toss up between the two, but I would say it's tricky because I'll, I'll give two answers. I know it's the, it, it breaks lightning round. Um, but numquid the fair, because it's really handy to have when you're just getting stomped when it, when you're looking like there's no hope because your opponent has 10 creatures out. Um, if you're not as hopeless, glorious few is just as satisfying because you gain, you know, nine Amber from that 10 Amber. Uh, so I, if I had to pick one, I guess, I guess Numquid the Fair because it saves you as opposed to just like boosting you up more. Makes sense. Shadows? Bait and Switch is a boring answer, so I won't give it, but it is my answer. Silvertooth because it's, uh, it reminds me of Hearthstone. It's got charge. You know, you play it and it's immediately ready. And I think that's really cool. And it's the only card like it. And Untamed. Uh, which of the eye? Brilliant answers all around. Oh man, it's my turn to go. All right, let me let me let me run them through you for. Oh so boy, best and worst. Mars. Oh Mars. Uh, uh, Zookeeper definitely number one. I'm gonna give a special shout out though to Ether Spider because that thing is it's so weird to play it, but it's if you have any way to like be able to do something with that captured amber or a good way to protect it, it becomes devastating on the field. Um, yeah, I'm changing my Mars answer. I'm picking both of those. <laughs> uh, least favorites, Phosphorus Stars, because it's it's going to the Shadow Realm, Yugi Boy. Okay, Shadows. Uh, shadows, definitely, I'm going to say the Sting. Um, for my favorite, again, because it just breaks the game crazy. Least favorite? I... I feel weird saying it because it's one of the, it is a better card, but I feel it's bad for the game itself. And that's shadow self. Um, I hate seeing it. I hate playing it. It just, it is not a bad, in fact, it's one of shadow's best cards mechanically, but I just hate the mechanics. I think it's super clunky. Untamed. Um, you skipped sanctum, but that's okay. Cause sanctum's bad. Um, Untamed yeah, cooperative hunting is probably my favorite just because of how much craziness I'm able to do with it. Um, least favorite untamed. That's actually kind of hard. Cause I, I agree with you. I think same with Mars that untamed has just so many good, good options. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go crazier and say both way of the bear and way of the wolf. Yeah. They're upgrades. Yeah. Upgrades are good. Cause they just give something to to the player. But gain an amber, get assault too. Gain an amber, get skirmish. I feel they're they're better cards. I would want from that from the untamed package in there. And even that saying, like, um, oh, what's the one that only hits robots? Uh, curiosity. Yeah, you know, actually, I was going to say curiosity. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say curiosity because it's so niche and just a silver bullet. I'm gonna say curiosity. Those upgrades are okay. real down the bottom list though. Brobnar. Um, favorite Brobnar. I have the least amount of play with Brobnar, but I think I'm going to go in the opposite way of the upgrade. I'm going to 
go and say either Phoenix Heart or Blood of the Titans. Probably Blood of the Titans. Um, special shout out to Yo Mama Mastery because Yo Mama's so tiny is the best flavor text on a keyword. Um, Silas Crowag as well as for for my least favorite. I I'm not able to. It's strong card, real good, able to punch everything. I just I put him down and then he's immediately off the field because they'll just throw people at him to either clear their field so he goes away or get him off the field immediately. Logos. Um, definitely reverse time is my favorite. No question there. Least favorite. Dexter. Yeah, no, by far Dexter. I I super feel as a dead card. The capture one's nice every once in a while, but the fact that he automatically goes on top of the deck really goes against my principle of rip through this deck as fast as I can. Uh, dis. Uh, yeah, I go back and forth on it, and I really shouldn't. Uh, I, it's, it's pronounced dis. Um, oh, fair game. Uh, again, it's one of those cards that kind of breaks the rules. Um, and I think it's just one of the most fun cards to play. You, you drop it down, discard the top card of each of your decks, and gain Amber off of it. Like it's it's just silly. Um, least favorite, I would have to say, Stealer of Souls. It's really it's really good to play, and it's a really strong card on your side of the field. But like. Again, purging a creature and gaining an amber off it, I feel it's a super strong effect and it's super swingy. Like it, it's definitely a card that you you must punch in the face. It, it's it's one of those cards that has pseudo taunt, and I don't I'm not a fan of its mechanic. If, if it just purged or just gained one, sure. The fact it does both, ow. Too much pain. Finally sanctum. Uh Man, there's a lot of bad cards here that I hate. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I'm i not a fan. Like, I, I understand the power of Brobnar, even though I feel it's, it's one of my worst things. Sanctum, I played enough with it to know that it's not my play style. So there's a lot of cards I could grab as just bad cards. Um, Best card by far is Gatekeeper. The fact that your Amber cannot be stolen. Four bodies, really decent. One armor. One of the best, one of the best creatures. By far, Vault Keeper, best card that they have. Um, man, there's a lot of just cards that I don't like, though, in Sanctum. Um, just picking out one. I would probably throw Bureaucrat in the bottom of the list. I don't know. It's hard for me to just pick one off. Um Really? Yeah. I uh, You gain two when you pick it as an active house. But again, it's... It's kind of got pseudo taunt where I want to punch in the face as soon as I can. Um, yeah, and I, I I have been chained. If you asked me this two weeks ago, Epic Quest would have been the number one answer without a question, hundred percent. But Epic Quest, it's gotten some favor for me from from some other things. Um, yeah, I no, actually, I'm gonna say doorstep to heaven. I I'm gonna solidly say doorstep to heaven. It. Because of the fact that it gives you an amber first, it limits how many times I've been able to play it. And there's been a lot of times where I'm like, oh, Doorstep to Heaven would be fantastic right here if it didn't also punch me in the face at the exact same time. And mm-hmm. I will 100% say that it is user error 
that I, 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 cause I've had doorstep heaven hit on me and it's been devastating. Um, so I'll hundred percent admit that it is user error on that card, but yeah, doorstep to heaven, definitely the worst, worst of the bunch for me. So I have a, a final topic, uh, kind of a goofy one. You have a magic FFG Richard Garfield wand, uh, that you can swing one time to alter, alter a card or something surrounding it uh, just in one way, one time. So you can make a card appear more or less. You can make a card totally go away. Uh, you can move a card from one house to another. Um, or you can change the rules surrounding uh, a single card. What do you pick? And I'll, I'll give you guys some time to think about it. I'm going to give two answers. I'm going to break my own rule. Um, I would make bait and switch a rare. Um or I, I guess it's a common. I would make it a rare, and I would make it actually rare because we've talked about it before. The rarity um, that isn't. I don't feel like it's more than a. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some rares that are actually rare, and they appear very infrequently, like you know, time traveler and stuff. But I've also seen you know a lot of the same rares over and over again, and the rares don't seem exceptionally great, and some of the commons seem really op. I would make bait and switch a a super rare card. Um, that you know would would make gameplay a little smoother, just kind of your day to day. You wouldn't expect. Oh, he's got shadows. He's got bait and switch. Um, I would also um, throw back to one of what we, one of our other shows. I would make Wild Wormhole be able to pop any card in for any reason. Uh, you know, not just Cliffy Dragon. That's that's the big one that I like. Yeah, I, I think it'd be cool to pop Cliffy Dragon out like that. It'd be a really cool move. Um, but there's also other cards that are like uh, you must pay three to play this card. Um, I think it'd be cool if it just popped it in and bypassed that kind of stuff. But those would be my choices. Um, just just as a, a goofy joke topic, but what about you guys? I would switch uh, lab work and sloppy lab work. Just sloppy lab work is objectively better than lab work to me because you archive a card and you discard a card. So I feel like the name is kind of misleading. So lab work would be archive a card, discard a card. Sloppy lab work would be archive a card or discard a card. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Maybe I'll, and I'll, you know, for anyone that's upset about me harping on about the wild wormhole, which if you are be quiet, um, if, if you're still mad about it, be quiet is my response to that. You know, not if you want to bitch about the other episode, go ahead. Cause I went hard on it. You can go hard on it too. But if you're mad, that I just mentioned it right there. Don't be, um, I would change, I would either make wild wormhole be able to pop any card in, uh, with the exception of upgrades or, um, I would, change the name of wild wormhole to something you know tame conditional wormhole where it doesn't just pop any card and where it's actually you know you do have to sit and think long and hard about this or that whether it's allowed or not um i, I might change the name on that one i guess but not really that's a a dumb answer i stand by what i said what about you Ooh, um i'm gonna have the boring answer here and there are definitely things that I don't necessarily like about the core set. But that being said, I don't coming from other games where some cards are intentionally made weaker for in other games, it's rarity sake, you know, pack filler and in, in Hearthstone and magic they're you know, the, the cards that just are there for like popper games and just some pack filler kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think I'd wave my wand yet. 
I don't think that there has been anything grievous enough for me to go, nah, nah, this needs to change or I'm done with this game. Or even to the fact where like I'm I'm so I'm so grump at this that or like it breaks my immersion or anything like that. Like I I think I save my wand charge for another day. Um maybe spend it and use a deck that I get to name, because I would love to have some custom named decks. Oh, um you're breaking all the rules. You gotta change something. I, I Yeah, I I don't think that there is something that i really will do it you do it for a selfish reason then move a card to mars or something you gotta do something oh if, I, if i'm moving a card to mars i would it would it would be probably um actually you know what there is one card in mars that i'm kind of kind of about and i i think i would not necessarily a card itself i i think i would give mars a bit of archive access um and the, if if I have to be selfish, key abduction is a it's a rare uncommon. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, it's an uncommon. Um, but that being said, I, Mars doesn't have a good way to access key abduction well within its own house. Um, sample collection is really the one I can think of. Um, in not in, in not invasion portal. Uh, what's the one that's uh, total recall? That's what it is. You just very ready, friendly creature. You gain amber. You return all friendly creatures to your hand. Um, and that's the one. That's the rare. Um, yeah, I guess I would give Mars a little bit more archive access because they're not as researchy as Logos is in theme, but they definitely should have a bit more access to like some some research containers and some a, a better incubation pod. You know, so, some something like that. But even then, I I think I break the rules. I that's super selfish of me. I and that's just for as a Mars player. I think I wave the wand and ask for a deck with my name in it with four copies of Zookeeper. I, I'm happy there. Maybe maybe a soft landing so I get the first Zookeeper off the ground. But uh, yeah, nope. I I'm breaking the rules. Uh, nothing. Nope. I'm good. Unless I can be absolutely selfish, then just make every card Mars. Every single card a Mars card. All right. Um, good answers all around. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, a quick parting note. We have a tournament on Tuesday. We run them every Tuesday night at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Um, we do 64-person Archon on the Crucible. It's a free tournament, free entry. Uh, and there's a physical prize. It's single elimination, so you go to up, go up the bracket, go up the tree. Uh, if you lose once, you're out. Uh, you're you're free to play with the other people that have lost to. Um, but that way, you know, it doesn't take forever, and then we don't have a bunch of people leaving. Like when when you run Swiss, if somebody loses once, they take off. So we do Archon there. Sixty four people. Uh, it usually takes about. I mean, if you go all the way, it'll take you two and a half hours, something like that. But you know, that's about as long as you'd sit at your LGS. So not a huge deal. What kind of prizes have you been out so far? Uh, we've given away deck boxes. We've given away sets of like a, acrylic sets. Um, we've given away card sleeves, stuff like that. Um, we have a, a giant list of sponsors for like the the foreseeable future, um, all from you know big people and small people, all all cool stuff. I I went out and personally got all these all these sponsors, so I I didn't get any garbage. Um, I know if you got an Etsy, and I'm not being mean, but there's some stuff on there that's kind of cheapish. Uh, things like that 
and I, I made a point to make quality a priority. Like I, I kind of picked things as if they were my own prizes, just, you know, what would actually be useful? What's actually cool? What would, you know, what would you not be embarrassed to use? Things like that. So it's all really, really good stuff. Um, and it's even better coming up because it's not coming out of my pocket. It's all provided by them now. Um, so that's Tuesday. You can sign up for it. The easiest way is to go to keyforgediscord.com. That takes you to our Keyforge, you know, the keyforge.com's uh, Discord. Sorry. Um, and from there, you can click on the announcements or the event announcements and see a link to our challenge. Um, that's that's definitely the easiest way to get there. Yeah, um, for anyone who's new or confused about it, you have to go to the challenge, you know, whatever link you get get to it from. You have to register for the event. Um, and then an hour prior to the event, you'll get an email about it. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled if you're confused. You have to go to that same challenge page and click a big orange button that says check in. It looks just like the register button, but it's check in. If you don't do that, you don't get to play. And that's a super important distinction to make because every single time, you know, out of the 64 people that make it to be able to play, there's, you know, 12 people, 15 people after that are confused why they're not playing right now. And it's not because they were on a wait list. It's because they didn't come and check in or they like popped into the discord and said, check in. And that's not how you do it. Like I, it's, it's really easy, but it's really strict. You got to go to challenge to sign up and you have to go again an hour before and check in to the event. And then you just hang out in the discord and I, you know, I, I post the rules and I say when to go, I shuffle the bracket, things like that. Um, so if you're, if you're itching for more Keyforge in your life or your local store doesn't support anything or, you know, whatever the case is, this is a good way to play online, um, especially because there's no risk of net decking. You're, all the decks are verified on the Discord. Uh, that's another thing you have to do. The rules are all on the Discord. You'll see it. You have to take a picture of it with your name written on a piece of paper. But all the decks are verified, so they're all ones that actual, actually, you know, are owned by the people playing them. So it's kind of just like playing in person, maybe just a little less pressure because you're, you know, you don't have somebody looking at you, things like that. I kind of like that for my personal play. I don't. I'm not worried about any outside things. It's just kind of me, you know, in my house. No, nobody breathing on me. No one, you know, talking to me, doing anything like that. It's just I can really focus on the game. So that's that's a nice aspect of it. But you should definitely try it out. It's great. Get some free stuff. Get some get some experience and meet some cool people. Um, or even if you don't care about you know playing in the tournament, our Discord's a really cool place. Um, it's a good place to find kind of spur of the moment, um, spur of the moment crucible games. I, I find that when you ask in the Discord, you're you're getting a more realistic re- representation of you know like people that you'd also be playing against at your store, as opposed to people just you know using whatever decks things like that. Um, yeah, you should you should swing on by. Also, check out the keyforge.com. Uh, I got a big schedule of articles ready to roll. I'm getting posted all through the month. Um, we, uh, a couple other things. We've got a Facebook group called Keyforge Community. If you're looking for some people to chat with, um, that's a really cool place to do it. If you want to show off your deck or you know whatever you want to do, Keyforge Community on Facebook, uh, the group. I will post a link in the description. Um, we've also got uh, Keyforge Market, the the Facebook group to buy, sell, and trade. Um, you know that one's pretty self-explanatory: buy decks, sell decks, trade decks, whatever. Um, and then we've got the Keyforge Market subreddit. Uh, again, buy, sell, trade. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, we have our Patreon, like I said at the beginning of the show. If you like what we do, go to uh, patreon.com slash thekeyforge and put a dollar in our tip jar. It really helps. Um, it helps us fund the servers and 
uh, you know, the, the prizes that we give out uh, outside of the sponsorships and things like that. But thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.